Okay, now. I did it. Now I'm recording. Okay. Doctor Strange is like if a old hot man got magic and also therapy hell yeah (laughs) physical therapy specifically and emotional therapy they're like combined he goes through an emotional journey jackson you've seen the film you should know this it's true, but but he doesn't get fucking emotional therapy. He gets fucking magic lessons. He gets, he gets magi- physical therapy he gets for his fingies. He gets physical therapy for his fingies. Okay, but Adeline. But it also helps his emotion. It stops him from being such an asshole. There. What do you? I think that Doctor Strange is the most fingy centric movie of the twenty first century. Do you think that's it's true? It's very fingies. It's not crunchy. It's fingy. <laughs> It's yeah, very. It's a very fingy movie. It's the only fingy movie, I would argue. Uh, I'm so glad we decided to stream today. What's the movie with the monkey paw? Yeah, are there any? F- that's that's very fingy. That's fingy and crunchy. Any monkey movie paw. with a monkey paw in it? <laughs> Is that are monkey paws not okay anymore? Are you talking about Henry Selleck's monkey paw? Is that a movie? I feel like you're making fun of I don't me, know. but I don't know. <laughs> yes, it's the one with. Is it no, the one with the monkey paw? The one with Brendan Fraser? Is that the one you're thinking of? I'm just thinking <laughs> of the concept of the monkey okay. paw. It's very crunchy and very fingy at the same time. How many times can I make this hand motion before you understand <laughs> okay. what I'm saying? Um, crunchy and fingy. Crunchy and uh, fingy. Okay. On today's <laughs> episode, is it crunchy or is it fingy? We will be discussing Bill and Ted. <laughs> it's not very crunchy and not very fingy. Oh, Adeline. Wait, I'm doing the intro. (laughs) Oh, what if it was our our science project, Adeline? Oh, we gotta do it or you're gonna get sent to military school on Mars. Again. Wait, we should go to Mars, though, because it's a science project and we'll we'll learn about it. And it's the science project is about (laughs) the planets. That would, this is our pitch for Bill and Ted That too. would be a pretty <laughs> spicy adventure. <laughs> they just get in the phone booth and go to Mars and look around. They're yeah. like, huh. That, and Bill and Ted's spicy adventure. That sure is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, hi, my name is Jackson McMurray. Mars is pretty spicy, I have to assume. My name is Adeline McMurray, and I think that Mars is probably pretty spicy. <laughs> Alright, good, good stuff. This is No Nerds Alone. What flavor do you think all the planets are? Pluto just tastes like, looks like it tastes like a potato, you know, because it's got like all like the different like colors of gray on it. Like it's not very, it's, Pluto doesn't look very tasty is all I'm saying. 
Okay. Uh, I don't know if we can sustain Get this. Get in the fucking play zone, Jackson. <laughs> And just uh, yes, and me for think. once. Mercury, Mercury tastes like popcorn. Yeah, I see it. I get it. I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain this, but Mercury and popcorn, same energy. Same energy. Thursday, that's September, my, that's, same, same, same dude. <laughs> that's that's Neptune, my viral tweet. Neptune's Monday, just already a big blueberry. <laughs> if the planets were days of the week, what would yeah. they be? I think Pluto would be fucking Saturday, because, you know. I think Pluto's got big Saturday energy. Um, Which I of hate the planets this podcast. do you think has the biggest day? <laughs> like, probably Mars, Probably? Right? Probably, I don't know, I think Mars I think, well, honestly, I think Neptune has the biggest tick energy of the planets. Yeah, uh-huh. I because it. it's sort of it never there's not really anything especially interesting about it besides that it's a really nice color and there's a certain amount of confidence in that. You yeah, know? like that's just it doesn't It's like it doesn't have to have a it doesn't have to have a thing like all the other planets exactly. do. Exactly. You know? You're already interested. You don't need an entry point. You're already yeah. on board. Anyway. I feel like all the other planets have like a gimmick. Who has bigger dick like, energy? Nah, Bill or Ted? <laughs> Who has bigger dick energy, Wednesday or Friday? No, Bill or Ted, get on board. <laughs> this is... If... <laughs> okay. I'm trying to get on topic and you're just not. <laughs> I just can't stop comparing arbitrary things to yeah, days of the week. I said to get in the play zone and now you will not. You're, you're like stuck in like the McDonald's <laughs> like plastic slides. You're like stuck in one and you can't get out. I'm too I'm too excited to roast bullshit that people on Twitter say. Yeah. I gotta get into movie criticism zone. I think those um, I think that's a Venn diagram actually. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, this week. Uh Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Yes. We've decided to cover this today because it's on all of our minds, because Bill and Ted three is coming out next week. Um Although we haven't decided, we talked about covering Bill and Ted 3 day one next week and just having two Bill and Ted's in a row and pushing yeah. the next Randy's choice to the week after that. Yeah. Um, we'll make a decision and tell you later. Um, but either this week or next week, we're going to be talking Bill and Ted 3. And today we're talking Bill and Ted 1 and we will not be discussing Bill and Ted 2. <laughs> yeah. Because we did not plan ahead. And we didn't make time for it. Sorry. I, I know there are a lot of people that really like the second one, but like I grew, we grew up watching yeah. the first one, and not the second right. one. So like I know the death. Is yeah, in I still it, haven't seen the second and one. And it's very funny. Yeah. And there are like robots. That's all I know about Bill and Ted too. Yeah, there's like robot Bill and Ted. Yeah. Um, I've seen bits and pieces of it. I have not seen the whole thing though. Yeah. Um. Although we did talk about it quite a lot in my intro to world cinema class because uh, the the way that they portray death is like being that pale guy who likes to play games yeah. is like straight out of The Seventh Seal, which is an old German movie. Mm-hmm. So for some reason that meant that it came up in my intro to world cinema class like eight times over. Like all the time. So yeah, so that's <laughs> most of my knowledge of Bill and Ted's bogus journey comes from my intro to world cinema class at my collegiate level. I mean, <laughs> film that's, studies. 
It's probably the best opinion to get about it, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, an educational so, view. So, um, first things first, um, we would not exist if it were not for this movie. Um, our parents' first date oh. was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you not see where I was going with that? Why no, do you I look didn't so know. Concerned? I didn't know what you were I thought you were going to say we were like conceived of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And I was going to be like, I don't think <laughs> no. we've ever been told that no. story, Jackson. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like, what if, whoa, what if their first date had been Back to the Future, but then they don't go and then we get a rate and then it's like, whoa, and then we have to go Back to the Future. I'm so tired. Bill and Ted's die. Excellent Adventure. It's a really was the movie, movie, the movie that ensured that the two of us would exist. So that's why we have a special connection to this, and why we are more excited about Bill and Ted Three than probably anybody else around. In the immediate vicinity. <laughs> yeah, um, the the thing about Bill and Ted, it's excellent adventure is that it holds up way better than almost any comedy from before, I don't know, the year 2000. I mean, yeah, really. It holds up better than most comedies ever. Um, I mean, there is one particular moment that sucks, but it's yeah. a very, very small moment. Um, yeah, but it's one of those things it's like, that's like... Yeah, basically they drop the F slur just, like, really quickly, but, like, it seems problematic, but, like, in a realistic teen boy way, if that makes any sense. Not to justify yeah. it in any way, but you know what I mean? Right. Personally, I mean, not to talk about this, like, two seconds into the episode, Yeah, but, but just get it out of the way, you know. Just get it out of the way. Just There's this the moment where they here. hug... And then they hug in a moment of relief, and then they're like, oh, ew, and then they call each other the F-slur. Yeah. And you're like, that is, first of all, like, not even funny, but yeah. second of all, uh, like, feels Icky. totally contradictory to, like, the way this movie sets up Bill and Ted as characters. Yeah. Because, like, they're What's so... They're, they're so doe-eyed and kind and innocent throughout this entire movie. Yeah, they're it, so, like... It, like, totally, like... They're so, like, ahead of their time with, like, kindness and, like, be excellent to each other. And then right. we're just gonna drop a, a slur yeah. in the middle of it for no yeah. reason. Like, it's totally just, like, anyway. 80s politic has nothing to do with anything. Right. But that's just the one, the one. Yeah. What about in Back to the Future where the mom, like, almost gets raped? <laughs> that's, like, a plot point. <laughs> I don't... I don't think that doesn't hold up. It's, it's very, part of the movie. What do you mean? It's uncomfy. I'll tell you that. It's Yeah, it's uncomfy. It's meant to be uncomfy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's sort of the thing. I mean, we talked about this a lot in our Austin Powers episode. Um... Which is that, like, so many old comedies are, like, borderline unwatchable now. Yeah. Where you're just like, oh, man, I thought this was really funny at some point, but I... This is a little rougher than I remembered. Not anymore. It's not anymore. And and definitely the older a movie is, the more likely it is to be unwatchable. There's Mm -hmm. definitely a gradient 
Whereas, like, if you're watching something from, like, the early 2000s, you, like, flip a coin, right? It's like, maybe this holds up pretty good, maybe it doesn't. If you're watching a comedy from before 1990, then it's like, basically, you can just assume it doesn't hold up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But that's the thing about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is that it, like, except for that literally one one second second in it. The whole thing just feels totally, I mean, I hate to say the word wholesome because it's one of those weird internet words that I get annoyed with that people use to describe everything. Yeah, but including like, our podcast it, it a is. lot of it's the wholesome. time. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, it's genuinely, there's something so uncynical about it. Oh, yeah. Because these two kids are just fun and yeah. like the movie isn't the movie isn't making fun of them. The movie yeah. really loves them. <laughs> that's what I think um, I love so much about this movie, and I think that's why it's like stayed around as a part of like the zeitgeist so much is because it's so quote unquote wholesome. Like it doesn't. I feel like right. a lot of teen movies, especially like movies that like have teens as the protagonists are like in high school. They're always being written by adults, so it's always this weird, like, negative view of high school, which is a total, which is right. totally fair. But that just seems like I don't know. I get tired of it. It's like, oh, they're the jocks and they're the bullies, and uh, school's so hard, and teachers don't get it. And like right. this movie, I feel like this movie kind of really touches on some like real problems in high school without being like dark and gloomy about <laughs> right. it, like. Bill and Ted are, like, two genuine dudes who are, like, they're not, it's not like they're not trying. They are trying to, like, be good (laughs) at school. Like, they're going to the library. They're getting all the books. They're in class every day. And they just don't fucking get it because it's just not how they learn. And it's, like, it's kind of like a commentary on, like, teaching styles. It's, like, how you have to be, like, like, a part of it and, like, learning something and, like, talking to people is how they, like, get the information in their heads versus just, like, sitting in a classroom all day and learning it. And it's, like, you feel for them because they're not, they're not hippies, they're not jocks, they're not idiots, they're just, like, two kids who are, like, really trying to, like, be good at something. Yeah, and I love, like, that scene where the teacher, like, pulls them aside and is, like, hey, if you guys can't get it together for this assignment, I'm gonna have to fail you for this class. Mm -hmm. And they're just, like, they're not like, oh, fuck you, Mr. Richardson. I don't even care yeah. about school. Meh. I just want to smoke weed all day. Yeah. They're, like, they're, like, very quiet. They're just, like, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I get it. Like, we really fucked up this quarter, and we got to get it yeah. together. Um, And, like, if anything, there's not really, it doesn't make the teacher out to be a bad guy. When it, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Is that the teacher doesn't seem like an asshole for failing them. Yeah. It seems like he's just kind of doing his job too. And he's trying to do his best to make sure these kids learn what they're supposed to. If anything, the only bad guy in this movie is Ted's dad. Who's trying to send him to military school. Yeah, he's kind of a cartoon villain. Um, also a cap. <laughs> Cause he's a cop. The, <laughs> Can I say that? Yeah, I guess he is a cop. <laughs> is that yeah. okay? Um, the, um, oh, I came up with a really good a cab joke the other day and I'm trying to remember what it was. <laughs> It was, it about it was like some play on words. No, it was just some play on words with the acronym <laughs> that I was really proud of. And I was like, I should remember that because that's good. And now I can't remember what it was. Was it a cab more like funny joke or is it not like, was it something different? <laughs> uh, all, I'm Right now I'm thinking all cops are British. 
That might be something. Um, anyway. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> this, I'll let you know if I think of it later. Okay, um, great. Uh, I was going to talk about, I love how quickly this movie establishes things and, like, just gets going. Like, literally, like, yeah. that whole opening credit scene is so, like, weird and, like, surreal and, like, futuristic with, like, the 80s rock music playing. You're like, oh, what what's happening? Right. And then Rufus is just like, all right, it's the future. It's tight as shit. <laughs> But two dudes made it, and if they get separated, it's not going to be tight as shit. So we're going to go make sure it is tight as shit. And you're like, all right, let's right. go. We got it. And I think that's important. I remember around the time that Futurama got canceled, there yeah. was a think piece that Which was going time? around where somebody was like, uh, the last time, uh, <laughs> was there was a think piece going around that was basically saying that like Futurama is like the last bastion of optimistic sci-fi yeah um like especially right now i mean kind of always but especially right now we're obsessed with sci-fi that is like a cautionary tale or like in a dystopian future or like something horrible yeah and it's not necessarily stuff like star wars where it's just like oh what if there what if we were in space and something happened but like like, anything that's like specifically about technology and like about the future is always about how technology makes things worse (laughs) right um and um i feel like the thing about bill and ted's excellent adventure is that not only is it just a very optimistic and good-natured movie in general but it's specifically like one of the few movies i've seen where it's like hey i'm from the future Future's pretty sick. Yeah, I like it there. I want it to exist the way that it is. (laughs) Yeah, feels good to be there. And, like, when they go back in time, they just are constantly, like, making friends with everybody, like, immediately. Like, (laughs) there's absolutely no... There's absolutely no conflict between Bill and Ted and the historical figures no, they're gathering. they're all totally They're just, cool. like, instantly bros. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, like, I think the weirdest... I love the way that this movie handles its historical characters because it does a good job. This is a very similar what if to the American Pickle where it seems like it's kind of the same exact idea. Like what if you took someone from this time period and showed them something today and how would they react? And they're very similar in that way because American Pickle is like if you showed somebody stuff from the present they would probably think it's pretty cool. Like they may not understand all of it, but they think it's pretty cool. (laughs) And then this movie seems to say... I think they would get it a lot more quickly than we give them credit for. Like, <laughs> right? If you yeah. if you take Napoleon and put him in a in a water park, he's gonna figure it out pretty quickly. Like, and he's gonna <laughs> right. have a good he's time. He's gonna be like, this rules. Yeah, yeah. And that's the cool thing is that like this is like this weird time travel thing, but it's just like, hey. People from the past were pretty cool, and if they came to the present, they'd probably think the present is pretty cool, too. Yeah. And by the way, I've seen the future. Future's pretty cool. Pretty cool too. Like, yeah. As far as the, the, one, cool. the one thing that kind of ruins all of that is the fact that they include Genghis Khan. <laughs> right. Wait. And I mean, look, that's, you can say that about a lot of the people they pick up, right? Yeah. Billy the Kid, pretty problematic. Probably killed a whole lot of people. And I mean, we don't have documentation of this, but it was the Old West. 
Old West, he was probably a rapist. Like, that's yeah. just the way the world was, yeah, right? But, you, whatever. But we have specific it's, evidence against Beethoven. Khan about how many people he raped <laughs> right. and killed across well, yeah. China. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, but that's kind of what I like about this movie is that it's sort of like conscientiously not engaging with the reality of these guys. Yeah, right? I guess it's that's like, fair. Yeah. Sigmund Freud messed up guy. Beethoven fucking pedophile rapist. Genghis Khan killed 10% of the world's population. Yeah. Like, this movie doesn't give a fuck. It's fine. Like, they're just whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And there's something I weirdly kind of like about that vibe. Just, like, engaging with them as, like, this weird abstract idea while yeah. simultaneously, like, looking at them as if they were real just like dudes yeah i think the <laughs> I don't know there's something just fun about the the way that comes together yeah i think the strangest characterization when it comes to the figures that i bring from the past first of all i love i freaking adore the like friendship between billy the kid and socrates i think that's so much fun and they <laughs> do know. it so well it's so weird like that first <laughs> scene because they're just like well bill and ted are like looking at the princesses and in the background they're just like playing catch and like socrates like stop throwing things at me but then he like <laughs> figures it out and they start like playing ball like it's so good it's so it's so funny yeah and like everyone's so nice to each other in this movie and yeah. like <laughs> it's just a good fun time it is well it's i was about to say i think the weirdest characterization is napoleon not because like he's like a, a not because of the way they like portray like the the problematicness of like his reality not that the way that they choose to <laughs> right. portray him in this reality where he's like he's like a serious dude but they kind of want to play him off as a joke but they still want to like make him a person still <laughs> right so like the whole time he's like a dick and he's weirded out and he's like kind of like i'm napoleon fuck all of you until he gets to the water park and then he's like helping children like go down the slide <laughs> like it's such a weird yeah. 180 it like, it like clicks and he gets it he's yeah, like exactly. oh I know what's going on here. Yeah. Like, this part I understand. <laughs> Bowling? <laughs> um, Fuck that. Water slide? Yeah. I love... And I think... I think your Keanu uh, podcast said this about Bill and Ted, but I absolutely right. love it. Oh my god, I said that, and then the thing that I was going to quote literally just, like, shot straight yeah. out of my head. To be clear, she's talking about um, Can't Get Enough of Keanu, yeah. which is the 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 Keanu Reeves fan cast from Patrick H. Willems yeah. that I very much like and Adeline listened to the Bill and Ted episode what of. Is that? Oh, God, I was going to quote him, and now I totally forgot what I was going to quote. It'll come back to me. Keep talking. Keep having the conversation. Okay. It'll come back. Um, but I think, it's, I think it's interesting looking at this versus, like, Austin Powers. Yeah. Because Austin Powers is weirdly sort of cynical but in a really pointless empty kind of way yeah <laughs> where it's just like it's very like not even like we live in a society it's like in this economy it yeah. like literally <laughs> means nothing yeah it's like you um, can say that at any time and people but, be like oh yeah but i feel like bill and ted is like the exact opposite bill and ted is like not really engaging with a lot of realities it's just sort of being like Stuff's cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, we live in a society. Yeah, we live... And you're like, hell yeah. You're like, yeah, society. I like living in a society. I like society. <laughs> I do... I fucking um, love when, when they're like, first of all, Socrates and Billy the Kid start for, flirting with girls at the mall, but then Sigmund Freud just walks in between them eating a corn dog. 
a corn dog. <laughs> it's a really good funniest little bit. thing on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I have something I want to say about Napoleon as a historical figure. Yes. I've seen it a handful of times said that Napoleon wasn't actually short. He was like totally regular height. Yeah, he was like, like and for some five reason or something. Yeah. I mean, I think in the 1700s, 510 would have been, like, freakishly tall. A monster, tall, but, like, but, you know, like, for the time period, he was a regular human. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Regardless, he was not, like, a tiny man. Yeah. And for some reason, I th- I can't remember why exactly it was, if it was, like, a wartime propaganda thing that some other yeah. country did, or, Somebody like, did it. if it was just this weird telephone game thing, or it became a weird myth. Yeah. But it's, like, imagine, imagine if you, like, went to the future, um... And you heard someone, like, just talking, and they were just like, yeah, he's got, like, a real, like, a real Jackson McMurray complex. And you're like, oh, what what does that mean? And everyone's like, oh, a Jackson McMurray complex is when someone has a super tiny dick, so they get really into film criticism. And you're like, what? (laughs) Like. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, someone really was, like, a Napoleon complex is when someone is short, so they're a dick about it. And it's like, oh, okay. So, like, Napoleon. (laughs) It's like, and he wasn't even... And he, he wasn't, wasn't even, even short. short. He was like, just a dick. Yeah. That's it. There was no reason. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I don't know. That'd be, I wish that were part of it. I mean, yeah. I guess, I don't know. This movie does portray Napoleon as being super as tiny. A, but like, he's, he's short. He's not a tiny person, though. Like, Yeah. Um. Anyway, I just think that's so funny. Like, imagine, imagine, like, going to the future and, like, the only thing people know about you is something that's literally not even true. Yeah. They're like, like, what do you know about Napoleon? He was short. And just being like, he wasn't, though. But the problem is, yeah. what do you know? that if he time-traveled to now, he would be short because we're all taller. So I guess that's true. Win. Humans have evolved to be much taller, yeah. so we would think he was short. That's a good yeah. point. I freaking love, um, like, fashion magazines from, like, the 40s where they're, like, they would have the graph of, like, women from the past, women now. And then they have, like, the, like, question mark of, like, how tall, like, women are going to be in the future. And it's always like, they're all going to be right. six foot five Amazons. And it's like, uh-huh, what the <laughs> 40s thinks the future's going to be like every single time. <laughs> I was going to say, and it's funny that they say, like, Amazons, like, as if they're going to, like, tower over Anyone? anybody, as yeah. if all of humanity okay, so isn't going to grow at the same rate. so if the women are all six rate. foot, then the men are probably going to be, like, a little <laughs> bit more than that, just statistically. <laughs> right. Uh, no, I like um, to think that they're implying that only women are getting taller than no, men are staying the same. Right, yeah. That's, that's the feminism that I want, where only women are getting taller. Right. And I think, one of the things I think about in this movie is how weirdly good George Carlin is in this. Despite the fact that this movie seems to be fundamentally opposed to everything that George Carlin stood for as a performer. Yeah. Because George Carlin is, like, the most grouchy, cynical bastard in the world. And I've never... I mean, I don't... I've never been a George Carlin guy. Every time I've watched his stand-up, he's always just like, The fucking... The fucking schools are brainwashing our kids to be consumers. Yeah. And you're like, this... I don't know. This whole thing feels very We Live in a Society to me. Yeah, it is And people act like he was, like, so wise. Just like, he's just saying, like... I, I don't like the man. And you're like, 
and it's like okay. with all of the cool. like we live in a society stuff it's like they generally do have like an actual point that like does have some truth to it but like right. so fucking what like unhelpful. they're like it's <laughs> yeah. like you're not Im- immune to propaganda and it's like i know and and they're like there's no and <laughs> i'm just letting you know and it's like okay well that's and, cool but yeah anyway but like <laughs> His, it's just like, his, we live in like, a society, whole, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> George Carlin's whole thing as a performer is him just being angry at the world and how horrible everything is, and, like, call, like calling out everybody and doing comedy about how absurd the bullshit is that we all wade through every goddamn day. Yeah. And, I don't know, in the 80s, if you're angry, you hear that and you're like, hell yeah. But, like, first of all, it just seems really toothless now. Yeah. And second of all, is just, like... I mean, to be fair... Kind of nothing. I, I don't and, like, know. looking at the 80s, that is the height of, like, consumerism and, like, Wolf of Wall Street, like, bullshit, Reaganism. Right. So I feel like it is... Right. To be like, hey, consumerism is bad and the technology is just making you buy shit to make you fat and slower is, like, a little bit... Yeah, has more of it's a very point. much that vibe. Yeah, exactly. Like it has. It's like the second half of Wally. If it was a comedian, exactly. Like it, you have a point, <laughs> and it makes more sense for the '80s. But like looking back on it, we're all just kind of like, yeah, we get it. Like, yeah, consumerism right. is bad. We know, but like also the economy. So I don't know what. Right. I guess I won't but buy anyway, things. But anyway, what I'm getting at, <laughs> what I'm getting at is that in this movie, George Carlin functions as this like avatar of how sick the future is. Yeah. Right. Like he embodies how cool the world can be. Yeah. Which is like just weird, and it's cool that he's so good at it. Yeah. You know? And I guess I guess I like that he liked the script enough to participate to in just this. Do it. You know. Yeah. It's sort of a a different attitude than George Carlin usually has and like i sort of i respect that you know yeah totally i do uh, i keep starting sentences and i completely forgetting what i was talking about but uh let me look at my notes maybe i'll remember what the fuck i was talking about (laughs) well i think i also think it's interesting that this movie doesn't really have besides george carlin it doesn't really have like a big above the title movie star yeah to bank on I mean, because... Which is just a weird move. Is this Keanu's first movie, or is this, like, his second or third? No. I mean, he's been around for a few years. Yeah. And, like, you know, some people might know who he is, but he's definitely not, like, he's A-list He's not, like, a heartthrob yet. Yeah. If anything, this is the movie that kind of makes him a household name. Yeah. Um... Except, I, don't, I would argue that Keanu probably wasn't even really a household name until, like speed this year <laughs> um this year this year i was making a joke because he's very popular oh. now but oh. yeah Keanu is one of those people who's just been around forever like i feel like his like growth of like fame has been like exponential just because he's been on the scene for so long <laughs> it's like it's just right. slowly always well, just like keanu has had more career revitalizations than anybody in yeah. history yeah like, and to be he fair, he's had some being... rough moments in life, but... 
<laughs> yeah, I was gonna say us and our friends sat down and watched a TV documentary about Keanu Reeves one time, and, it was, and we like put it on kind of as like, a joke, uh, and then we were like, "Oh shit! Oh no, it's sad. This is interesting as fuck." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so like, Keanu Reeves starts out as like this young teen heartthrob in the '80s mm-hmm. who plays like these airheaded teenagers, like in Bill and Ted, or like in Parenthood, or. He's mm-hmm. in a couple of, like, really serious dramas about teenagers committing suicide or whatever. Yeah. Um, he's in a couple of those, and he's usually, like, the comic relief one, mm-hmm. as much as there is one of those. Yeah. And then he gets Point Break, and he starts this, like, second act of his career where he's like, I'm a cheesy action guy now. Yeah. Like, I can do Speed, I can do Johnny Mnemonic, I can do Point Break, I can do, like, big, ridiculous action stuff yeah and then you know people start to and i should say around he starts to do that around the time people really get sick of him being a young teen teen heart yeah right like he does francis ford coppola's dracula and sucks in it by all accounts like even he himself like it's an infamous performance yeah and he and that's when he has the realization like i gotta do something else yeah so he starts doing action movies and he gets awesome at that until he wears out his welcome doing that. And then he pivots a little bit into, I mean, it's not a huge pivot, but he pivots into The Matrix. Mm-hmm. And that suddenly starts this, like, third act of his career where he's doing these, like, really serious sort of heightened action movies. Yeah. It's, like... Which is, like, not totally different, but very still pretty different Mm -hmm. and then he gets like totally wears out his welcome on that like 10 years later and people are like uh keanu is in a movie is this like a weird straight to red box yeah (laughs) exclusive no it's Um, cyberpunk 20 whatever (laughs) well and then he gets so when people get sick of him then he gets john wick he's had four discreet like acts to his career and he's only like 50 like who is to say what Keanu Reeves' career is going to look like 20 years from now, you know? Starfish. Starfish. What movie is <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, there's Knock Knock. Knock Knock. Uh, where get enough it's of about Keanu how... to do Knock Knock. No, they haven't gotten okay. there yet. Um, they, stopped, they stopped freaking... They stopped making podcasts when the pandemic started because they always recorded together and I'm mad about it. Because yeah. they haven't been podcasting for like six months now. Yeah. Um, they got as far as, I think The Matrix was their last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I can't help but hope that they're going to start again someday, but I don't know if they will. They might just be done now. Yeah. I don't know. It's talking about somebody else's podcast See, on our I podcast. Kind of can't get enough of Keanu is a really good podcast. It's a good podcast. I really like it. But I I don't even know if I want you to, to describe the plot of Knock Knock, because it's so weirdly off-brand for who I think Keanu Reeves is, like, as a person. Like, well, it's such a weird you know, film. It's, a, it's an Eli Roth movie about how actually... Uh, Rape culture is not a thing because women really do have the most power because yeah. they could just say whatever they want. And a woman, a woman could just say that they raped you, and your life would be over. And because it's that's really how good it movie, works. and it's a really good movie. But like, <laughs> genuinely, Keanu Reeves is so fuck. He's in like full on like Nicolas Cage mode. In yeah, that movie, he is. It's where the he's just like thing. yelling and screaming. It's so good. And it's there's like this uncut moment gems where... before uncut gems, where it's just him like screaming <laughs> random words over himself. Yeah, no, but like 
there's this scene. Uh, our friend Ethan, past or future guest Ethan, and I watched it like just by ourselves one night because you're like, this looks hilarious. And we were like, wow. Yeah, and we were like, wow, deeply sexist movie. Pretty disturbing if you think about it for more than a second. But there's this moment right at the end where the two women, one of them is Ana de Armas, uh, fucking Knives Out lead Ana de Armas, um, and they, like, post this video of him having sex with them to social media, being like, he raped us, and they fucking bury him in his backyard, and they put the phone in front of him with just his head sticking up out of the, out of the dirt, and he's like, he's, like, struggling around, and he, like, gets a hand free, and he goes to reach for the delete button on the phone with just, like, his wrist and forearm up out of the dirt. And then he he accidentally, he's reaching for the delete, but then he accidentally hits the publish button and his phone falls over out of his reach. And he's like, no! And then the credits roll. And it's fucking Where Is My Mind by the Pixies. Oh, my God. It's like it's, it's like the end of Star so Wars and Darth Vader. So fucking good. But this yeah. is the part where he's yelling starfish. What's that part? Yeah, because, okay, so, I mean, look, not to do more knock-knock talk. Because it's a bad movie. This is our podcast. <laughs> it's a bad movie. It's this, okay, this is, this is, uh, talk in the knock. Talk, talk, our new knock-knock fan cast. <laughs> so here's the plot. Keanu Reeves is a loving husband and father. Also he a DJ. Is, and I'm not, no, wait, he's, and I'm not joking, an architect slash DJ. Um, and so his family goes away on vacation, but he has to stay home to work. Oh, well. Because he's doing so much archaeology in his house, I guess. And then these two beautiful women show up at his door. And they're like, oh, we're so, our car broke down and our clothes are all wet. And they, like, physically, like, pressure him into having a three-way. They, like, rape him, basically. What's that? What's that song from Hamilton that's like, should we have to say no to this? Like, that starts playing. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, I cool. don't. I haven't seen Hamilton. <laughs> but, um, um, but, so, yeah, so that's messed up. And then it turns out that these two beautiful women, their whole thing is that they just go around to random men as if to this. just prove that they... That they will cheat on their wives with given no, you know, how how horrible men yeah. are for for just whatever reason. So they just find married men and rape them and be like, oh, they cheated on their their spouses, yeah. so they deserve not this. Not a cool and they film would... in any way. I kind of regret yeah, not bringing a cool it film, up but at anyway, all because it sucks. And we're no, okay, but... sucks. Here's what we're here's what I'm getting to. I just wanted to make uh, the joke part... about him yelling starfish. That's all I wanted. <laughs> and then the there's two moments that are very important. One basically the rest of the movie is just them like torturing him for no reason. Yeah, and it's very um, sexist. But there's this bad. one point where he's all tied up and they've got like big headphones on his ears and oh, they yeah. like put on one of his records and they're like, "Oh, better say the right answers to our weird quiz or whatever." And he, like, gets a question wrong, so they, like, drop the needle, and it's, like, like, loud music, and you just get this great shot of Keanu, like, all tied up in a chair with these big headphones on, being like, no, my ears, stop, God, no, my ears! And then, slightly later, there's a great moment where they're, like, 
you, you, fuck, you cheated on your wife. You're so horrible. And he's like, it was free pizza. It was free pizza. And you're talking about all this. And you go, oh, blah, blah, blah. And husbands, starfish. And, like, it's, That's I, all I wanted implore to you, I implore you to look up that scene because it's, Oh, chef's kiss beautiful do not watch um, the film anyway. look up that scene on youtube <laughs> no. I, maybe you can watch the film honestly pretty funny a lot of the time frankly it's a, it's a funny it's not a good movie no of course not um anyway bill and ted's excellent adventure what was i what was i talking about specifically i don't even know i just want we were just talking we were talking about keanu reeves having so many revitalizations oh, in his career yeah Having this, like, multi-tiered career. Yeah. Which is something that, like, no other actor has ever had like that before. Yeah. Like, a lot of actors can have, like, sort of a second act once they turn, like, 50 or something. Yeah. Or they, like, like, transition from doing one kind of role to, like, being more known for another kind of role. Or, like, more, like, adult I think of, of, like... Yeah. Like, I think of, like, Jeff Bridges... How he was just like a young action guy in the eighties, and then he was then the he dad has, in like, Tron. Yeah, <laughs> and well, okay, that's not true. Um, well, I mean, it's probably but, not, but that's just the funniest role that I can think of. You're like Jeff Bridges. I'm um, like, oh, the dad from Tron. <laughs> Tron. Well, no, he's the lead in the original Tron. Yeah, but he's the, the dad, dad in Tron, Tron Legacy. <laughs> yeah, that that shows. Um, but yeah, the but then it just becomes this like. This, like, old guy actor who can do, like, mouthful of marbles, like, oh, I'm Jeff Bridges, and oh, I'm just a charming old man. Yeah. And it's, like, you know, those are two, like, very discreet segments of his career, but, like, I can't think of anybody else who has four of those. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, Adeline, what's your favorite funny thing that Bill and Ted call the historical figures? I mean, I just... I'm just going to put my friend on blast because one time we were all just sitting around and me, me and my friend Katie both took a, not psychology, philosophy class. So we were just like talking about philosophy mm-hmm. and then my friend Mason, he just flat out says Socrates and it was the funniest thing on the planet because <laughs> like, like, I just love Socrates' character in this whole movie where he's like, because First of all, there's a weird bunch of jokes about, like, him, like, hitting on young girls, and that makes sense when you think right. of, like, the student-teacher relationship in ancient Greece. That makes sense, but that's a whole other <laughs> right. thing, uh, which is why Plato yeah. is platonic, because he was the first guy to be like, hey, what if we don't have sex with our students? Everyone was like, okay, whatever you say, Plato. <laughs> but anyway. Okay, if that's what you want, you're, I guess. Whatever. Gonna rain on my parade. Um... But, like, just, like, he, like, we introduce him, and, like, of course, he's, like, people from the future, so he's, like, interested in them, and they, like, kind of understand what he's talking about because they're from the future, so he's, like, yeah, yeah, I like these guys. But then the rest of the time, he's just, like, a little bit clueless, and it's just, it's so much fun. Because I think he's, like, the person from farthest back in history, so every place that we go to is the future for him. And just the way that he handles that is so (laughs) funny, because he's, like, an older guy, so he's just kind of, like quietly like trying to walk and run behind everybody else with his robe and it's just it's really right. good i love socrates in this movie yeah i would argue um 
Uh, oh, we got somebody in the chat asking if the movie is out today. We're talking about the original Bill and Ted. Uh, the the new Bill and Ted is coming out one week from today, but we're talking about the original one. Yeah. Um, also, Cade says Daniel Radcliffe has had a few. I, I don't think Daniel Radcliffe... Daniel Radcliffe has had two eras. And he's still pretty young, so the door's open for him to have yeah, a third or fourth. If that... Who knows? But, like, I would argue that, like, Harry Potter and post-Harry Potter are two pretty self-contained... Yeah arcs for him right now what the fuck is going on with that tv show that he's in where first they were like oh, angels yeah. in heaven but now it's a totally different show but it's got the same name and the same cast because i guess yeah it's like a weird spinoff of something else i saw that briefly but i don't think i ever yeah well it was called it. miracle workers which, which was the one where they were like, heaven, dad watched it and said he didn't like it. So that's my only perspective on the whole <laughs> okay, show. Okay, fair enough. But it, he just said it wasn't right. very funny and he didn't like it very much. But it's like, they're, right. it's one of those things where it's like, hey, God's an idiot. Isn't that funny? And it's like, you, you got to do more <laughs> right. than just that, you know? But it's like, right. they're angels in heaven. And God's like, okay, you got to answer one prayer or I'm going to blow up the planet. So they're like, all right, we'll answer <laughs> okay. this one prayer for this guy who's like, I want to fall in love, or I want this one girl to love me, or something like that. It's, mm-hmm. They do that, and that's the plot of the show, and apparently <laughs> it's not very good. But so I never heard anything about that show, which seems to tell me that nobody thought it was really that good. Uh, so what they did <laughs> is that they decided to make Gallivant, but without any music. <laughs> It, with the same cast and with Wait, the same Wait, that's what names. this is? No, I'm making fun of them because it's the exact same thing as Galavant. Oh. But it's it's oh, okay. a medieval show with the same cast. Maybe it's implied that it's like reincarnations or something, but that doesn't make any fucking sense. Right. Or like an American Horror Story thing yeah. where they've just got a cast that they... Yeah, which, but know, it's whatever. not American... It's not, I'm done talking it's about it. It's not high care. art, though. <laughs> it's like a sitcom show that nobody liked, so they're doing that. Anyway... Right. He, Daniel Radcliffe, um, Radcliffe is in it, and both times he plays, like, this, like, peppy, kind of, like, dopey guy, which didn't seem right. like the direction that he was going. I'm gonna say, like, post-Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe went pretty feral. I think that's fair to say, and I think no, that's No, he's fine. in a lot of weird comedies. That's kind of his thing. I mean, he was, like, I'm thinking about Daniel Radcliffe's roles post- let me, let me look up his filmography. <laughs> Give me just a second here. Also, don't let me forget to talk about fucking uh, Robert Pattinson at the end of this, too. Because that guy, I feel like, is about to enter his third wave at age, like, 30-something. There's a cat outside. Uh, Okay, so... Okay. Yeah, so he's got his Harry Potter stuff where he's just doing, like, British movies. (laughs) Harry Um, Potter, but not... (laughs) So yeah, so then his first post-Harry Potter role was The Woman in Black, which was like a horror movie. And then he's in Horns, which was like a weird genre comedy. Mm -hmm. He's in What If, which was like a romantic comedy. Mm -hmm. He was in uh, this movie called... I guess he was in Trainwreck in like a small role, which is a comedy. Swiss Army Man is a comedy. Mm -hmm. Now You See Me is, I guess, not a comedy per se, but it's like a fun blockbuster. Actually. And... You know, I'm leaving out a couple of things that look like more like straight ahead genres, but like weird comedies is like his thing. Guns Akimbo is the most recent one. Um, And now he's the 
boyfriend on Kimmy Schmidt also. Oh, that's right. He's like, he's in just like a quirky. Yeah. It's like an, he's an offbeat comedy guy yeah, now, he's, which he's you know what? Swiss Army though. Man. You S- love Swiss, Swiss Army Man. Man's the best fucking movie yeah, ever. Yeah. Daniel Radcliffe in Swiss Army Man is the fucking performance of the decade for me. He's so good in that. Um, but Robert Pattinson, not to like talk too much, because we've talked, is this maybe the least we've talked about a movie? Oh, no, 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 no. Remember when we talked about <laughs> okay. A Bug's Life, but we just talked about Alien the entire time? We've right. never talked about A Bug's Life in that episode. Okay. Um, but Robert Pattinson started off as like his like young teen blockbuster guy with mm-hmm. like Harry Potter and Twilight. And then he disappeared for a while. Yeah. And then he just started, he's in his like current phase where he's doing like weird small dramas from like interesting directors where he's doing like The Lighthouse and Good Time. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's the movie uh, that's coming out on Netflix this month? Um, Devil All the Time where he plays like a weird preacher. Mm -hmm. Um, There was something else I just watched him in too. Um but anyway, he's, like, doing these, like, small movies that are, like, very serious and really, like, interesting and weird, yeah. you know? And now he's got fucking Tenet and um, Batman yeah. coming up. And I feel like that is, like, almost undeniably going to kick off, like, a third wave for him. Oh, where yeah. He's, like, he's gonna be now I'm, like, a big... Yeah. I'm gonna be, like, the next Tom Cruise. Yeah. yeah. He is um, Tom Cruise. And... And he's like, he, I don't know. He's probably like thirty something. Like Early 30s, he is like yeah. so so young to be in a third phase of his career. Yeah. He's maybe gonna beat out Keanu <laughs> for most phases <laughs> at least keeps amount of time. Going in this direction. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things I love about this movie mm-hmm. is that they don't have like big name actors. Bill and Ted, I should say. Yeah. Because it's been a while since we talked since we about talked Bill and about Ted. Bill and Ted. Um, <laughs> um, I like that the historical figures are not ever like recognizable actors. There's something authentic to the fact that because you've never seen this actor before and you don't recognize them, it's so much easier for you to just be like, "Yeah, it's Abraham Lincoln." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, it's Billy the Kid. They've really found it an actor that like... looks like Abraham Lincoln, though. Yeah, that guy's yeah. good. Um. But I think that, like, you know, if this movie were made today, those would all be, like, stunt casting things. Oh, yeah. There would be, like, some sort of meta joke about who's playing each of these historical yeah. figures. And not that that couldn't be funny Zendaya or Zendaya would be Michi. We all get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's really interesting that it's, like, you know, you almost think, like, in the 80s, you'd be like, oh... Mel Gibson is gonna play Billy the Kid or yeah. like Max von Sydow is gonna play Socrates like that's where they would put their big names mm-hmm. you know but they just decided to hire like some anonymous people yeah just and like us. it I think it works really well on some level because it like lets you fully believe that they are those people yeah. in a weird kind of way I freaking <laughs> re-watching this movie I realized I had like such like a crush on the gr- on the girl who plays uh, Joan, Joan of Arc. Arc. I don't know something about like when she's like wearing like she's got like that like short cut hair and when she's wearing like the just like the red shirt that's got like the long sleeves and the cross on it. I don't know. I just thought she was adorable, right. but like totally like just the way that they did that casting. It's just like I'm not like today that would be like 
Emma Watson, and I would be like, uh-huh, because she's like, <laughs> right. oh, she's Belle, uh, she's Hermione, oh, no, she's Joan of Arc, because white yeah. woman feminism. But anyway, yeah. but, like, just the fact that it's just some random actress, it's like, oh, that's Joan of Arc, that's so fun. And, like, it, it I feel like if you had big names in it, the, like, the character would fully disappear, and it would just be the actor. Like, the right. idea of Joan of Arc getting on stage and taking over, like, an aerobics class is hilarious. But I feel like that right. joke kind of wouldn't land nearly as well if it was, like, some actor that you knew. Because then it'd be like, oh, it's an actor doing a silly thing. You know? Like, it would just totally ruin the, right. like, reality, kind of, of the movie, you know? Right. I've got terrible um, news for you. Yeah, I just got the 20% it's... battery notification on my phone, so I might lose camera in a second. <laughs> okay. Um the we're we're pushing an hour already. This episode this is really honestly the it. fact that we even recorded an episode today is a miracle, so I don't <laughs> Yeah. It's fine. Um, but I think I think it's really interesting, like also that, you know, I think it would be a perfectly valid stylistic decision to just be like, oh, and all the historical figures speak English and we have some funny yeah, dialogue. It's like, if you did that, no one would blame yeah. you, right? Um, but, like, there's something... Between the fact that they are unknown actors that you can just fully believe are historical yeah. figures, and the fact that they all speak the language they would have spoken... Yeah. Like, there's something so weirdly, like... What's the word? Like, very similar about it. You, like, it yeah. weirdly feels, like, really realistic. I don't know. It's just funny. Which is what makes it all that much funnier when they, like, fucking destroy a sporting goods yeah. store or, or when Bill and Ted like, show up and they're like, what's up, dudes? Here's a... <laughs> right. Here's pudding in a can, which is only a thing that exists in the <laughs> 80s, thank God. Jesus. Right. Also, um, if I just want to, like, say a couple of jokes that I thought were really funny. Yeah. There's this moment... I love the moment where they get to ancient Greece and they're like, oh, I know. Let's get Socrates. Look him up in the book. He's under Socrates. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they know they know who Socrates yeah. is, but they don't make the connection <laughs> that it's, understand. like, not spelled that way. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny to me. There's also that moment where they, like, finally get home and they, like, all get out of the phone booth in front of Bill's mom. Yeah. And there's that moment where they're, like, making up names, and they're like, this is Socrates Johnson, yeah. <laughs> which really I think good. is a 10 out of 10 And I joke. love when they just give up, and they're like, and that's Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> I do, I think... And I like... I th this is kind of a sidetrack, but, like, I think the way that Missy is characterized is really weird, because, like, it, it it's an 80s joke of, like, she's a hot woman, and so they're all making jokes about how right. she's hot. Everybody's flirting with her. And there's, like, the jokes that she, like, had sex with teachers when she was at school and stuff like that. But, right. like, at the same time, she's, like, trying really hard to be a supportive mom. Yeah. And I really appreciate she's that. Nice. Yeah, she's really nice. Yeah. Like, she's always giving Bill and Ted rides everywhere. When they pull up with, like, 30 people, she's like, yeah, I'll give you a ride. Yeah, yeah I'll help you break into the PlayStation. And she, like... She shows up to their yeah, presentation. Exactly. It's like, she kind of does fall into a lot of, like, harmful tropes. But, like, she's, like, really trying to be a good mom. And I really respect <laughs> yeah. her for it. Um, the, um... And I, <laughs> I just love the joke where Tan is just like, your mom's really hot. Remember when I asked her to Yeah. 
remember when it's she was so a good. senior and we were freshmen? We were I freshmen? love that yeah, scene it's so much. Really When funny. they're like leaving the house. And Bill's, Bill says something like that. I think that's what he says. He's like, remember when we were freshmen yeah. and she was a senior? And like Bill <laughs> and like Ted just like fully turns around. He's like, shut up, Bill. And then they just like stare at each other for a second. And then, and then Ted goes like. Like, it's just, you just see, like, that, like, <laughs> it's so good. And I was talking, I was texting you earlier about how much I love the way Keanu Reeves moves in this <laughs> He's movie. Like- he does this thing where, like, well, first of all, like, He's always, like, walking around with, like, his arms kind of in front of him. I'm doing some kind of physical stuff. Yeah. But he also, this he does this thing that's so funny where, like, whenever he, like, says something, he, like, raises his whole arm up for emphasis. Which is, like, such a weird physical choice. uh, Choice. Yeah. That, like, (laughs) would seemingly not play in any other movie. Well, it, like, it just him just like randomly raising his arm fully above his head. Yeah, like well, it's just it works for the character of like this dorky high school kid. He's like, yeah, totally for him to just like emote in this really weird way. Like, totally works. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. Um, I love... They also talk about. Wait, I want to talk about Ted's. I like crop that they. Top. Can we talk about Ted's crop top? I love. The <laughs> oh fact yeah, that he it's a, a it's a look. Top. It's a good crop. Honestly, both of their looks, hundy. Like one hundred, <laughs> right, like yeah. super good. Pretty good. The pretty vest good looks. Um, with the orange jacket. <laughs> orange Hell yeah. Jacket. Um, I also really like that. Like, <laughs> I like that it's set in San Dimas, California. Like the shitty, boring part yeah. of Southern California, <laughs> where it's like weirdly all the bad parts of Southern California without all the cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I like that they like talk about Disneyland a lot. Yeah, like I they love... go to the Old West and they're like, this is just like Frontierland. Yeah, but I love that because like this is just my thought. He's like, this is just like Frontierland. He's like, yeah, but you could get shot here. And all I can think about is like, you could get shot at Disneyland. <laughs> Nothing's stopping you from getting especially, shot in Disneyland. Especially in the 80s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's before they, they had, like, they the security. Metal detectors. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, oh, the 80s. Although, um, so I want to ask that when they take Napoleon to that pervert ice cream yeah. store, where he eats the big ice cream and all the employees come over and are like, Ooh, you're the little piggy, aren't you? Oh, you're a fat little pig. Yeah. Ooh. And you're like, why is this a thing? Why did they take him to this pervert why ice cream stand? Why is this stand? a scene in the movie? Why did children yeah. take him to this ice cream store? <laughs> and then, and there is a moment, the guy who plays Napoleon plays it so perfectly, yeah. where they like are kind of poking at him, and he like puts his arms up. And they, like, give him a little high five. And, like, the way he responds to that little high five is so funny. It's, like, feels so perfect yeah. and genuine in that moment. But see, what I would have done if I was the director, I just wouldn't tell him what we're doing in that scene and just see how he dies. <laughs> right. When these three perverts um, come up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and is that I unethical? Just, I maybe. Love... Is it funny? Maybe. Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. You're an actor. Right, you signed a um, contract. You know. I also... I just remember when I was a kid, I was very scared of things that were inappropriate and, like, things I wasn't supposed to be seeing. Oh, yeah. Not for any particular reason. It just really freaked me out when there was, like, language or something. Yeah. 
And I liked this movie a lot, but the scene where Napoleon goes bowling and he sucks at it, and then he, like, lays down and, like, pounds his fist, and the subtitles are just like, shit, 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 shit. Like, really freaked me out as a kid. Like, for whatever reason, I was always like, that's not an appropriate... That's a bad word, and that's an inappropriate part, and I shouldn't be watching this. And, like, I just remember, like, the back of my neck would get all hot, and I would, like, be kind of uncomfortable, and, like, oh, oh. I remember so vividly that whenever we would watch Monty Python Quest for the Holy Grail, there's, like, that one scene where, I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, but that one scene yeah. where they, like, go into the castle, that night guy goes to the castle, or so, like, the handmaidens who are like, oh, my God, oh. Right. And, like, they make all these really dumb jokes. It's like, oh, you, but you have to spank all of us. Like, it's a super, like, <laughs> right, dumb joke. Yeah. But we would always skip over that when I was a little kid. And then I watched it yeah. as an adult and didn't skip that scene. I was like... It's fine. Like they're not. <laughs> yeah. There's not a one bad word. No one mentioned sex. It's just like stupid little things like Is that. It, I thought like at the joke. end, I, I thought the joke was that like, if I. See, then the weird thing is, is I don't remember that scene as well because we always yeah, skipped over it. Yeah, because we skipped over it. Right. Now, the joke is like... I thought, like... The, I thought the joke was that, like, at the beginning, they're, like, being very coy and, like, oh, you must have to give us spankings or whatever. Yeah. And then by the end of the scene, they're, like, and now we're going to give you oral sex. <laughs> like, I thought that was the joke is that they just I get more and more don't remember blunt well. about I, it. I think the joke is that he's, like, the devout, like, innocent knight. He's, like, the youngest one, so he's, like... Right. He's just, like, that, like, really, like, knightly, you know? Like, he's that proper, kind of. So when he gets to this place that's, like, full of women, and they're like, oh, you have to spank us. They're like, you can sleep in my bed, like that thing. And he's just like, oh! Like, that's that's what I thought the joke was. Anybody in chat, if you remember what the joke was, What is that joke in that one scene of Monty Python? (laughs) Is it Um, oral sex, or is it just man uncomfortable? Um, I, but... That's the thing. It's like these. There was plenty of like '80s stuff when I was in like fifth through eighth grade. That like I. It's weird to say that I pretended to be into it, but that's not exactly what it was. More like I just convinced myself that I really liked it, well, even though like honestly I didn't really. Yeah. No, it's not even that. It's like, like Monty Python and the Quest for the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. I super didn't get as a kid. Oh, yeah. Like, that humor is so weird and so intelligent British, and so, yeah. like... Yeah, like, I def... It was one of those things where it was, like, my parents loved it and I had a lot of friends whose parents had shown them it and they were excited about yeah. it. And I was like, yeah, like, I'm gonna fit in and I want my parents to think I'm cool. Yeah. So, like, I'm gonna be really... I'm gonna, like, not, not like, consciously, but I was like, I'm gonna be really into Monty Python and the Holy yeah. Grail. Even though... I don't, I didn't get it. Like, I didn't think it was that funny, and I never quite really liked it that much until I watched it again as a grown-up, yeah, and course. I was like, this is yeah, hilarious. Yeah. But, like, clearly I didn't, like, totally get it as yeah. a kid. Um, and, but th- what I'm getting to, and that was the same thing with a lot of music, oh, too. Yeah. Like, I listened to Van Halen a lot when I was in middle yeah. school, even though I don't think I ever really liked Van Halen very much. Yeah. I pretended to be into Star Trek for a really long yeah, time because I, I had that. some friends who really liked Star Trek, and I never really liked Star Trek yeah, that no, much. Anyway, I still don't like Star Trek that much. I've tried to get yeah, into no, Star I Trek, don't. and I'm like, uh, it's optimistic, it's but um, it's like, 
Right, yeah, like we were saying, it's optimistic, optimistic sci-fi. sci-fi, but um, it's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but my point about Bill and Ted is that like I didn't feel that way about Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it was one of those things that like I could have easily been like, oh yeah, I love this; it's my favorite. But like secretly, deep down, somewhere in some part of you myself, knew, I can't. Nothing about I it. I can't I can't speak to you. I would like actually didn't really care yeah. that much about it. Um, but, like, genuinely, like, I have always really liked Bill and Ted. It's, like, the one, like, 80s comedy thing that I, like, really genuinely have embraced since yeah, I was a kid. Yeah, because it... Because it is... There is something about it that is sort of t- approachable. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> it doesn't require a high baseline of intellligence or yeah. engagement I mean, or I intellectualizing to really understand. I honestly think it is the optimism that makes it so, like, welcoming. Like, honestly. Like, it's just, right. like... Fuck yeah, I'll watch Bill and Ted. Like, I'll watch Bill and Ted anytime. It's because it's not... I don't... Like, I don't know. Like, it's weirdly in... It's like... It's trying to say something, but it's not really trying... In not trying to say something, they say something, you know? Like... Yeah, It's like, be excellent to each other, but it's like, it's just these dudes doing a thing, and it's just really, like, nice, and they're nice people, and they want other people to be nice. Like, it's just such a basic theme... That, like, they're just able to do it really well, and so it's, like, you can just right. jump on. It's not, like, if it was, like, darker or less optimistic, it was, like, uh, high school, right. uh, the present, the past was so much better, and the future will be so much right. better, but the present is awful. Then I feel like it wouldn't be as good of a movie because you wouldn't, it, right. wouldn't, it would be a little bit more emotionally exhausting, you know? Right. I think, um, I, it's really funny to me, um, that... The way they frame it in the movie is, uh, okay, just said in chat, it doesn't require a huge amount of moral thinking, which I think is a good way to express that. Um, the, uh, like, the way that they help the future, they frame it like, your music saved the world. Not like, you became rock stars and you used your platform to spread yeah. a message and you were great philanthropists. It was no, like, just no, your music. literally just the music made society yeah. perfect, which I think I mean, is I funny. Do, I um, love this movie so much. How literally the main moral of it was like, just like these two kids who kind of can't do anything right. And are like, just kind of like, in a, they're in a weird limbo stage in their life. Like they're at the end of their high school career. They're not great students. Mm-hmm. They have this idea for a band, but like their band isn't good yet. It's not going in anywhere. They're this very limboy right. beginning uncertainty, like just kind of starting this part of their lives. And to just have someone from the future just come down and be like, hey, what you are doing now is going to make a difference and the world is better because right. you are in it. That's just like, right. that's so yeah, it's nice. Cool. That's so cool. Yeah. It's really, it's, you know, it's sort of a potential thing, but it's like, not even like you have potential. It's like the rules of the universe dictate that you're going to be pretty yeah. sick. You're like, nice. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, um. And, like, I wrote down, I feel like Bono saw this movie and was like, I want to be that. Yeah. I'm going to be the, the the wild stallions of yeah. the real world. <laughs> you feel me? That's very much the vibe that, like, mid-period U2 gives off. <laughs> what U2's <laughs> um, trying anyway. to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, so, okay, let's talk about when all the historical figures are in the mall. Because that is the best, the great. Best part. 
I love I love the line at the end where they're like, in the 1100s, Genghis Khan ravaged China, and about 20 minutes ago, he ravaged Dick's Sporting yeah. Goods. Which <laughs> it's really good. Is really? Yeah. Really funny. It, the um, weirdly, but I also really love... My favorite thing, because like, they're all like get into like chaos in the mall, and that's like a part of it. But my favorite thing is that, like, Beethoven just, like, goes to the music store. He just, like, starts playing, like, piano and draws a crowd. Doesn't do anything wrong and still gets arrested. (laughs) Gets arrested? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the thinking was that they caught on that there's a whole bunch of people in your costumes and they're just rounding people uh, up. Um, But still, it's just funny. (laughs) Didn't commit any crimes. He just was too good at the piano. Um, The, um... But yeah, and I love that fucking piano salesman yeah. who's like so goddamn smug about his pianos yeah. and like Beethoven's like looking at it and like playing a little bit and he's like, oh, hey, get a load of this. And he, and he like reaches over and presses the button and it's like, it's like the bossa like, nova button. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Beethoven's like, oh, like as if that's going to take his playing to the next fucking yeah. level. And I'm trying to decide if that's supposed to be funny or if in 1980, whatever, we just actually thought that was so cool. That yeah, really. Honestly, do that. I don't know. <laughs> that was new technology. Yeah, we talked about, right. We talked about Socrates and Billy the Kid like hitting on those girls, which is like so, so funny. funny. And the girls are like, "I don't, I don't know if this is real yeah. or not." And Billy the Kid is just like, "We're from history." And he pulls up like a wanted poster, and the girls are just like, "All right, <laughs> what are we okay?" And there's like a really, a really like genuine reaction from those girls being like, "Is this a bit? Is this a like, joke? Are what? you joking?" Yeah. Yeah. Um. But, like, I don't know. And the whole thing is just so good. Um, Okay, but I want to talk about the time travel mechanics for a moment. Because I think... First of all, I think this model of time travel, which is the whole everything that has happened will always happen. Everything's like a static, solid object in time. Is my favorite kind of... the Yeah, Prisoner of Azkaban model is my favorite kind. Because, you know, if you're doing the, like, oh, you can change stuff model, Mm -hmm. you could argue that there's more, like, narrative tension because you don't know how things are going to shake out necessarily. Yeah. But I think a lot of the time, like, honestly, I think Prisoner of Azkaban really nails it Mm -hmm. in the sense that, like, you, it withholds, because the key to it is that you've got to withhold a certain amount of information Mm -hmm. as you're going through it so that things... You don't know whether things are going to work out, but you still see things come together in a way that's really satisfying. I think it's super cool, like, knowing what the pieces are. Them showing you things, giving you enough time to think, or giving you enough time to forget about them. And then having them come back, and that's, like, so fucking satisfying. I love Um, the heist, though, where they're just, like, remembering to do things in the future. I think that's mm -hmm. tons of fun, where they're like, how are we going to get in there? And it's like, okay, well, in the future, we'll come back. And we'll put a key under the mat. And they look under the mat, there's a key. And then they, like, get stuck in their way. They're like, right. all right, in the future, we'll come back. And we'll hide a recording of you, like, shouting your dad's. And then they do that. And they right. do that, like, three more times. It's I love cool. that. It's cool, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, like, and, it doesn't you know, really pay off, said... but it's funny. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's funny and it's like cool, good, like Swiss watch storytelling. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, except for that moment where they're like, remember a trash can. And, and a she... trash can just falls out yeah, of nowhere onto his head. It's <laughs> like, what? What was that? Like, it would work if, it, like, the trash can fell and it, like, panned up and there's, like, a balcony and, like, other Bill and Ted are, like, waving like, to oh, him. Yeah. That would be really fucking funny. Don't yeah. quite do that. I don't know, whatever. Um, but. <laughs> How would um, you do Bill and Ted? <laughs> but I think. I think it really speaks to something like the moment at the beginning where they're like setting up the rules where they're like, that clock is always ticking. Like yeah. you've got to come back after a certain amount of time because that's just the way it works or you're going to miss the presentation. Yeah. And you're like, okay, yeah, sure. Even though that doesn't make any goddamn sense. Any, no, like, it doesn't make any sense. They show up, they literally show up at that exact time later and it's like, why not just not time travel anymore? Get out there and just wait through the night again. Like, obviously it doesn't make any fucking sense, but they are intentional about telling you what the stakes are, even if it doesn't completely mesh logically, you still have a clear understanding of the stakes according to the narrative. Which, I'm just now realizing that this is exactly the Wreck-It Ralph thing, which is, like, they just tell you things, and you're like, why? And they're like, doesn't matter. I, I told you, though. Um, you can't say anything because I is, told you. I'm, yeah, I'm just realizing that I'm being a hypocrite because I criticize Wreck-It Ralph for that, and I'm praising Bill and Ted for the same thing. Yep. But, like, I don't know. I think that, like, there's a place where you meet in the middle where it's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not it's not a good thing or a bad thing it's just something that i appreciate that we, we it's just something that's happening and we're know. all just gonna go with it um i just think it's interesting to think about because i think a lot about fucking goddamn cinema scenes and like plot hole film criticism yeah and how much i hate it yeah and it's like i just always want to like view things through that lens i guess <laughs> i watched i watched the 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 CinemaSins video, like, every once in a blue moon, I'm like, what if I'm being ridiculous? Maybe I'll flip on a CinemaSins video and yeah. see if maybe, if I just, like, understand that they're being obtuse and maybe that's part of the joke, maybe I'll like yeah. it. And I flipped on the one for Scoob, which is a movie I hate more than anything else in the world. Yes. I was like, yeah. I was like, if any movie could pull off a CinemaSins, it's this one, because I'm so angry about the movie, so maybe I won't be to so upset. about, Yeah. Well, it's, like, not even that. It's, like, I hate this movie so much I won't be mad if they're unfair towards it. Yeah. But, like, the instant I turned it on, they were just, like, in this scene, Scooby is rolling down the street on a ham, and then they eat it later? Wouldn't it be very yeah. dirty? And I was, like, Scooby dude was a dog, this. and he talks, <laughs> and it's, like, you're an idiot. Like, and I was so shocked. I was, like, so ready to be, like, I'm gonna choose to enjoy this one, and, like, instantly, yeah. I was, like, I'm gonna make fun of a movie this. that I hate. You are yeah. being... So obtuse about storytelling, and you're making yeah. the world worse. Yeah, like, it's not. I it's get not so a angry joke when it has a real effect on the world. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't like it one bit. Um, yeah, I used and... to enjoy Cinema Sins until I saw people with like actual criticism, like. Because I was like, oh, <laughs> until Cinema you learned Sins. about real mutant until... criticism. Exactly. I was like, oh, hi, haha, like that's so obtuse. And then I saw people actually being obtuse. And I was like, oh, no, it's yeah. not a joke anymore. It's real. 
the thing that sucks you in about cinema sins mm-hmm. is that the the way they present some things every once in a while they'll like bring up a thing that's sort of meant to be like a more serious yeah. one where they're like questioning like the motivations of a character and they're like well wait if he didn't know this then how come he's doing this yeah. like that kind of thing and you watch that and you're like oh yeah. huh like in the incredibles i guess i didn't realize that that doesn't quite make sense and you buy it and then you go and watch the incredibles and you realize that that is fully explained in the movie oh, yeah. and you're like i hate this <laughs> like yeah and it's so frustrating when they like convince you that something's wrong that is actually absolutely not wrong at That's all they just willfully on the planet they just willfully left out information yeah. for the sake of like comedy no, that ha- would happen unquote. all the sucks time ass. they'd be like she just goes over yeah. there for no reason i'm like no she went over there because somebody told her something earlier like what are you talking about <laughs> Like right. they're willfully leaving out information to make a joke, but then it's a real, but then presenting it as a real criticism, yeah. and I hate it. <laughs> there was, um, hold on, I'm just looking at the chat super quick. Um, the um, there was somebody I was talking to who was talking about the like the era of like angry media criticism on early YouTube, yeah, where it's like nostalgia critic and cinema scenes and angry video game nerd, yeah. being these people who started off with a like an ironic idea where they're like a big annoying character that's just angry and that's yeah. their thing, right? And it's like cool, no problem with that. Yeah. But the thing about it is that obviously they wouldn't do this if they didn't care about the media they were yeah, clearly, making jokes about. Yeah. And once they have an audience, they start having the 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 desire to have their actual opinions be heard yeah. about the things they're talking about. So just every once in a while, they start weaving in actual opinions into their angry video and game. And that's when stick. everything falls apart. And yeah, and then there's absolutely no line between satire and joke telling and actual genuine attempts at film criticism, and yeah. it becomes all the same thing, yeah. and there's no delineation yeah. between fact and fiction, you know? And, and I think, that is just the worst. Well, and it's because Aaron Hansen's sequelitis is kind of, I think it's at like the end of that time, but it's definitely like early internet criticism, right. would you say? And like I or like early YouTube, yeah. yeah, early YouTube definitely. But I like I still watch sequelitis videos because I think Aaron does a really good job of balancing the two. Where obviously when he is upset about something, he like makes it like bigger and funnier in order to make an entertaining right. video. But the entire time, the joke is that he's angry. The joke is not what he's angry about. Like all of his criticisms right. are legitimate criticisms and. He's also not criticizing the entire video. He's half talking about something he likes or half talking about something he doesn't like or just... Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, sequelitis doesn't feel like that. I'm trying to say why. And I think it is because... Right. It's well, just it's because genuine, it's just... It's just genuine criticism in a funny package. Yeah. It's not... Well, exactly. Yeah. Because Aaron Hansen in sequelitis is never, ever purposefully saying something they don't believe. Yeah. Right? He is literally speaking exactly what he thinks about whatever he's talking Mm -hmm. about. There's no sense of ironic detachment or, like, need to play things up because he's just stating his genuine point of view and spicing it up with humor. Mm -hmm. The thing about the other things that I'm talking about is that they're inherently based on saying things you don't necessarily believe 
for humor yeah. and then peppering in things you do believe because you want to say them and then not which is fundamentally yeah. yeah which is fundamentally whack i think um and it's why whack. fucking yeah i don't know and it's like i don't i know i've talked about this on the podcast before and everybody knows but it's like yeah. it's movies aren't fucking math problems yeah. Where it's like, oh, you do this and you do that and it all comes together and your movie gets an 8 out of 10 score. It's like, it's all, no. like, one of the things I like about this podcast format that we do is the that we don't have to be like, here's what's good and here's what's bad. This movie gets a 4 out of 10. Yeah. Like, we can just, like, talk about it. We don't have to, like, pass judgment on something one way or the other. I mean, not that we never do, but, like, yeah. we're, we can just, like, freewheel and talk about the ideas being expressed and, like, what they mean in reference to other things and what it means mm-hmm. in this context and whatever. Like, that's what I love like, about this. Like, film as a whole. And, yeah. Yeah. And, like, it's... I hate the fucking plot hole model of film criticism because it's that's stupid. So and I, I hate it. I, I don't know if the idea is that if a movie has no plot holes, it'll be perfect. Because that's no, just plenty of movies not suck true. ass that make sense. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's, oh, it's, it's like the problem. <laughs> right. The problem with the movie. Uh, it's my take the problem is that with it is movies. perfectly. <laughs> no, my take is that it is perfectly fine to have as many fucking plot holes in your movie as you want. Yeah. The thing that you can criticize a movie about is how good it is at distracting you from those plot holes. Yeah. That's what I think is important. Like, I think, like, a great example is Toy Story. Why does Buzz freeze when humans come in if he doesn't know he's a toy, right? Yeah. That is, by the truest definition, a plot hole. That is a break in the logic of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you, you never even thought of that until somebody pointed it out to you, you know? Yeah, until some neckbeard like, was like, oh, childhood ruined. <laughs> right. And it's like, it's true that, you know, when you think about it like that, it doesn't work. But it is, first of all, integral to the storytelling of the movie. You couldn't yeah. have it be a different way, First obviously. of all, we have to do that. And second of all, the movie is good at not drawing attention to the things that would make you think about that, you know? Yeah. And that is where the movie succeeds, is that it doesn't it doesn't make you think that while you're watching it, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's perfect why Bill and Ted is so good. It's because they're, like, even we talk about, like, how realistic the depictions of the, like, the people we're taking out of history are. There's still a lot of plot holes, like, how the time machine doesn't work and, like, how would they have a deadline even though they have a time machine and, like, stuff like that. But like, right. who fucking cares? Like this, like they like so clearly right. give you the stakes. They're like, you gotta pass this, or or Ted's gonna go to military school, so you gotta pass this test so you can save the future. Also, you only have so much time to do it because of plot hole reason. Go, but it's like I don't because care about the plot so. hole reason <laughs> yeah. because because you said so, and we were doing the thing, and the rest of the movie is <laughs> right. so much so fun and enjoyable. I don't care yeah. if the deadline doesn't make sense because when they get there right before the deadline, I'm like, oh, cool, good that we got there before yeah. the deadline, even though the deadline doesn't make any sense. There's um, right. There's um, there's a really great video, uh, by Patrick H. Willems who it's called, 
What's the title of the video? I think it's called Shut Up About Plot Holes. Or maybe Shut yeah. the Fuck Up About Plot Holes. One of the two. Maybe there's a fuck um, in there. But, like, his main thing... And I, I sort of... The way he presents it, it makes it kind of feel like it's never okay to criticize a movie for plot holes. But I think, like, my thing is more like... If a movie takes you out of itself because there's a gap in logic that's if really obvious, like, that yeah. is bad. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, because, like, his vibe seems to be more like... Plot holes are not a problem ever, which I don't think I agree with. But anyway, the 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 <laughs> the basis of the of the video is basically like okay, so uh, here are some things that are not here are some things that are not plot holes. He's like mm-hmm. things happening very coincidentally, not a plot hole. Maybe bad writing, not a plot not hole. A plot hole. <laughs> characters characters doing something that you wouldn't do. Is not a plot hole, and characters not knowing, (laughs) characters not taking the most optimal option to get out of their circumstances, is not a plot hole because not every person thinks like a robot. Um, And the last one was um, things happening that aren't explained is not a plot hole. (laughs) Like, God, people uh, people talk about like the most because it's like I feel like. It's like the same people are having the same conversation. It's like, oh, why do movies have to explain everything and, like, hold my hand through the whole thing? Like, just be creative and original. And at the same time, they're being like, you didn't right. explain why fucking Han Solo said that he did the thing in distance and not time. It's like, it's the same person. And they don't understand, like, the disconnect yeah. of you're an idiot. Well. I'm upset. And, like, what I think about, I mean, the example that Patrick H. Willems uses in the video is, like, Dark Knight Rises there's this moment where um, like Bruce Wayne is like away from Gotham Mm -hmm. and then like in the next scene, he like returns to Gotham like a short amount of time later. And there's not like any piece of shoe leather where they're like, Oh, I commandeered a helicopter or whatever. It's just like, he's there, you know? And like, he's Mm -hmm. Bruce Wayne. I'm sure he figured it out. You know, I'm sure it's not important that, you know, (laughs) yeah. Like, it's not important that, you know, how he got from China to Gotham again. And people are like, that's a plot hole. Cause like, how did he do that? And like, I think in the movie, there's probably, maybe he's like, not, he's like in a small village or something. Maybe there's no readily apparent way that he did that but it's like still who the fuck cares like (laughs) yeah it's how we moved along i'm sure you could come up with some reason that satisfies you it's not his job to hold you hold your hand through every tiny specific detail of the story um i feel like this podcast is very long and it might just feel like that because i feel like it's (laughs) no it's it's long we're at uh, I mean, we're at an hour and a half. That's about normal. Yeah, I only bring it up because it's my about phone normal for a longer episode of the podcast. Battery, so we will. Okay, it's, we're wrapping it up. It's cool. Uh, but yeah, oh, good. hey, um, yes. let's let's start to wrap it up. Um, <laughs> I am going to. Okay, any first, just any final thoughts? Anything you want to say before we go? Billard's head holds up. So well, far more than it probably should, probably far more than the people who made it ever thought that it would. Like, it's... (laughs) Right. Like, it's it's totally... It's wholesome, it's nice, it's funny, it... I feel like it... Another thing I like about this is that it's an 80s movie that doesn't feel like they're shoving the 80s down your throat. Like, it's very much a part of the film, but it doesn't... I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. 
maybe that's just me, but like I don't know, especially with all the nostalgia <laughs> that exists in the world today, it doesn't feel like it's right. horrifying the '80s. It feels like the '80s is just a setting, just like any other time period is a setting, you know? Right. Um, it's, it's good. I like it. Uh, so Adeline, would you like to hear a one half of one star review of I would. Uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? So I this review like comes that. from. Uh, this review comes from Letterbox.com. This person says. I haven't even watched it, but David has seen it, so it's probably shit. <laughs> Who's David? I don't know. Truly, could it's a mystery. Could be anyone. Apparently, David's somebody famous. who has very bad taste in movies. But David's seen it, so it's probably D- bad. But David has seen it, so it probably sucks ass. Okay, my name is Jackson McMurray. My name is Alec McMurray. And this is No Nerds Allowed. And there are No Nerds Allowed. He's I like, it's not even David likes it, so it's probably bad. It's David has seen it, so it's probably bad. It. Yeah. David knows, is aware of it as a concept, <laughs> so it's probably bad. Yeah.